This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back to the program, Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts of the show. Thanks for being with us. And we're here weekdays, Monday through Fridays, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio. At 4 p.m. Eastern Time, you can join us, too. Always uh, glad to have you wherever you are out there uh, on the program. We're a little late in time here, so let's welcome in, for Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. Obviously, Danielle, always wonderful to have you back on the program. Great topics you bring to us and fantastic guests like you have today. I am really very happy today, Kelly, that we have a very special person with us. Fran Kitely retired from the Superior Court of Justice of Ontario in 2021, and she has been very busy ever since. In fact, I wanted to talk to her on the show for a while, and we finally got a date. I am delighted. One of the projects that we'll be finding out about today, one of Fran's special projects, involves Afghan women judges who are now living in Canada. Now, I do want to let you know that I've known Fran for many years because I had the enormous privilege of meeting Fran through the Ontario Justice Education Network. She is a stalwart person when it comes to ensuring that people in Canada are educated about their rights and about the legal system. So I want to specially welcome Fran Kitely to the Kelly and Ramia program. Welcome, Fran. Thank you, Danielle. And I'm very pleased to be with you and Kelly and Ramia today. Uh, just to go back a little bit with Danielle, I think we actually go back 20 years during which time. I'm afraid of that, I, yes. <laughs> I was so impressed with Danielle's ability to teach incredible audiences, young and old, about human and civil rights in Canada. So it's uh, it's delightful to be on the same show with you. Well, thank you so much. And we should just uh, only in passing mention that yesterday was the 75th anniversary of the uh, Declaration of Human Rights through the UN. And so this is particularly relevant in my view. Um, Can you tell us a bit, Fran, about the Afghan women judges and how they came to Canada? Briefly, by way of background, for a period of about 20 years before the summer of 2021, so starting roughly about the year 2000, for 20 years, the countries from the West increasingly were active in Afghanistan in trying to evict and control the Taliban, which was a terrorist organization. By the winter of 2021, The West was starting to leave Afghanistan, and it became apparent that the Taliban were going to take over. They did take over in the summer of 2021, and the roughly 270 women, Afghan women judges in that country, almost immediately became targets. 
They had been uh, presiding in court proceedings, family law, criminal, civil, during which time members of the Taliban had received outcomes they might not like, including going to jail. One of the things the Taliban did almost immediately in 2021 was to open the jails. So uh, men who had received um, orders or incarceration from Afghan women judges made no bones about who they were coming out for. Overnight, literally, 270 Afghan women judges feared for their lives and the lives of their family and needed to evacuate. Fast forward, and there are now 37 Afghan women judges and their families living in Canada. Wow, uh, that is, uh, it, it's really terrifying when, when you think about um, it, it practically turning into open season on those women judges in Afghanistan. I, I can't really imagine. You know, we've heard that women in Afghanistan currently are being prevented by the Taliban from even getting an education, but it hasn't always been easy for women uh, in Afghanistan at all. How was it possible for these women to become judges in the first place? So in that 20-year period up to 2021, when the Western countries were increasingly becoming active in the country, um, the Western countries were very um, um, ad adversarial, ad assertive rather, about creating civil society, recreating civil society, and education, of course, is key to that. So in that 20 years after uh, the West became involved up until early 2021, but schools were established. Girls who hadn't been to school for a whole generation uh, were not only allowed, but encouraged to go to school. Uh, at the time when the West came, first came in in about the year 2000, women were were in the labor force at zero percent, meaning they weren't in the labor force. Mm. So in that 20 years when the West was um, um, reintroducing civil society, um, so many women were allowed not only to get an education, but to enter careers, doctors, judges, lawyers, and uh, about... Uh, sorry, was there a question there? About 5% of women had been educated to the post-secondary stage by the summer of 2021, and that included our women. And uh, the, they had um, come, as the saying goes, a very long way to be educated and contributing, not only contributing to society, but contributing by reintroducing civil society rights, obligations. Wow. So they really acted not solely as judges, but as educators to the rest of the country when people could see themselves, women, I should say, could see could see themselves uh, in this role. And, and it became really important for people to understand that women can do this kind of work. And then all of a sudden they couldn't, um, which I find terribly, terribly disturbing. 
the people who've come here, the women who, who have come here, have they come alone or are they with their families? They are all with families and families have multiple uh, uh, definitions. So of the 20, of, of the 37 who are in Canada, most of them have a husband. Uh, some of them, very few do not have a husband. Most of them have uh, children, uh, from one to three or four children. Some of them have uh, adult siblings, uh, brothers and sisters, sometimes a mother and a father. So for all of the 37 families in Canada and the 24 families uh, in Ontario, um, the, the family um, profile uh, is different. Uh, they brought as many members of their family as they could because in some areas, the members of the family became equally at risk as the judge. I would Im I would imagine that they were th threatened as well. Um, Friend, do you have any idea of women uh, judges who did not get out of Afghanistan? Is, is there a, a number or people who have come here telling uh, a stories about their colleagues who have not been able to, to leave? Um, I can't tell you stories about colleagues, but I can tell you this. Um, at the time that the um, West withdrew and the Taliban took over in the summer of 2021, an organization called the International Association of Women Judges had been quite active in Afghanistan, bringing educational programs, bringing mentoring, um, bringing technology programs to them. So the IAWJ, as it's called, had had significant communication with the judges. When the summer in July and August, when things became quite severe, many of the Afghan women judges reached out to the International Association of Women Judges. And uh, without going into any detail, they went into action to help rescue the uh, Afghan women judges and their families. Of the then 270 Afghan women judges in Afghanistan, my information is that 190 have succeeded in getting out. So there still remains uh, multiple dozens who we do not know where they are, where, whether they have remained voluntarily in mm -hmm. Afghanistan whether they are in other countries, such as the neighboring uh, Pakistan. So we do know the success was 190 of the women judges and their families were withdrawn, evacuated, escaped. That's, that's very impressive. Now, how have Canadian women judges like yourself, and I know that you're, you're currently retired, but how have uh, the Afghan women judges been assisted by uh, our judges? In the uh, early part of 2022, uh, um, at a time when the, the International Association of Women Judges were so active in evacuations, Canada agreed to receive 40 Afghan women judges and their family. The Canadian chapter of the International Association of Women Judges then went into overdrive. And with the help of um, still sitting, as we call it, active uh, judges, they created a system, uh, first of all, of pre-arrival judges who would reach out by um, WhatsApp 
or messaging to the Afghan women judge where they were on a lily pad, which was the term used to a, a country while they waited to get access to Canada. So the pre-arrival judges were reaching out to them, starting a conversation about Canada and about them. On arrival of the 37 judges in Canada, each one of them was assigned uh, one, if not two or three Canadian judges to assist them, to provide support for them professionally um, and to help them integrate into Canadian society. So in Ontario, for example, where there's these 24 families, the, um, the currently active judges, there are at least 48 of them, at least two for each family, um, who are what we call partner judges. And the Afghan judges are called sister judges. And so the women partner judges have literally done what they can to establish sister relationships with the Afghan women judges in Ontario and the rest of Canada. So that's judges who are still judging. Um, those who continue to judge are limited in what they can do to seek resources, either for Afghan judges or others. It's very important that judges be seen to be and be independent. Sure. Retired judges are not subject to such restrictions. And so the role that I have played and other retired judges is to locate and try to get resources for them. So for example, the one resource that um, I have been particularly involved in in Ontario is having to do with English language. They all have, the, all of the Afghan women judges have come with some language, but all of them need a lot of training. And as some of your listeners might know, the community colleges in Ontario were one place where um, people can get uh, English for um, uh, academic purposes. Um, and by getting a name from a name, I reached out to a woman by the name of Trish Coles, who is the chair of the ESL department at Centennial College. And I had a few emails and a couple of phone calls with her to describe what was happening with these Afghan women judges and their families and um, asked her, could Centennial College make some special arrangements? She, she was uh, so delightful in almost instantly saying, this is exactly the kind of work that Centennial College takes pride in. And she went straight to the president, Dr. Craig Stevenson, and then to the dean of the School of English, Dira Mira Mather. And within weeks, Centennial had committed to waiving tuition for two, and in some cases, three semesters of an English for Academic Purposes program. And it has really been- Really wonderful to hear. It, uh, you know, it, 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 it's really heartwarming to know that there are people, when they learn about the situation, they're willing to do something and do something really uh, productive. I'm very happy to, to hear about that. Um, I guess some of the women are, um, currently employed but because the 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 uh, the kind of law practice in Afghanistan is quite different from that in Canada i guess it's not likely that that they will requalify to be judges in Canada is it? Uh, it on the basis of their current credential credentials it's unlikely but can i just go back to the beginning of your question danielle 
Uh, yes, very just, few... I'm afraid we just have about 30 seconds left, Fran, oh. I'm afraid. But okay. yes, please. Um, very few of them are employed. Um, they all really want to get a legal related employment in due course. And uh, I, along with others, including a professor at Toronto Metropolitan University, are seeking out opportunities at the universities and other community colleges about how we can help them become uh, this, uh, you know, self-supporting members of Canadian society where they will know not only their rights, but the rights of others. Well, thank you so much. I, you, you've, you know, you've, you've opened up a whole story that most of us know nothing about. And I really appreciate your sharing your time and experience with us today, Fran. My pleasure. Thank you, Danielle and Kelly and Ramya. Thank you, thank you so much. That was the Honourable Frances Kitely speaking with us today about Afghan women judges who've come to Canada and her role in helping them. So engaging. Thank you, Danielle. Uh, just a wonderful conversation, as usual. Uh, we will step aside for a couple of moments. Rummy and I will return. Just remember, I know your rights every Monday right here on Kelly and Rummy. In a moment, we'll wrap up the show and see what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.